Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloane. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to a very special episode of Prince Kai Fan Pod. I'm Bethany Finger. I'm Sierra. This is my first time being on here. I um, found Bethany in January, so I'm still pretty new at this. Um, yeah. What else? Yeah, you are new. Yeah, you just joined Patreon a little while ago. Yeah. I was really surprised when you asked me. I was like, wait, seriously? I was like, Star Trek. I was like, plan on paying my dues for at least another year. <laughs> no, because you you wrote something that I asked for. I needed the fanfic of this moment. So definitely had to bump you up. <laughs> so today's episode, we are going to go over Sierra's fanfic that she wrote. You may remember a few episodes ago, we learned that Kai wrote most of Cinder's speech. And I asked the universe for a fan fiction of that scene and Sierra provided it. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Sierra's writing and then we're going to do a reading of it for you. So first, what made you decide to write this other than me being like, this would be really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So part of it was just like being avoidant of life. And I was like, Ooh, instead of working on our project for a master's, we're going to do some (laughs) fan fiction because it's really fun. Oh my gosh, like, I was like halfway getting through my master's degree. It was constantly like, oh, instead of writing this, I could do this other thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, well, I haven't even started yet. Like I was just filling out a thing for this crazy scholarship application thing. But, oh my goodness, scholarship yeah. applications are exhausting. Yeah, and it was like weird because it was instead of just like a essay, it was like a presentation. And you would have to use like one of their crazy like presentation platforms. It was insane. So I needed some joy. So she's like, I was literally listening to the podcast and then I like wrote it. That's awesome. Isn't it funny how that works? Like it used to just be that you needed an application, then you need an application and an essay. And now you have to do like a video and a presentation and a personality yeah. quiz and tell me about yourself. And it's like, can I have the scholarship or not? Like, yeah, exactly. And it's just all the work and rejection. You're like, okay, is this going to be worth it at the end or? Right. <laughs> It's so funny. I remember like when I was um, like prior to having my degree, getting jobs and stuff like working, um, you know, like working at McDonald's or getting a job at Olive Garden or waitressing or something like that. I remember you had to take like multiple personality tests and you'd have to put in like your your entire like work history, but also they would want a resume and all this other stuff. And then I come out with my master's degree and they're like, okay, we just need like a resume and a cover letter. And I'm like, why did I have to put in more effort to weigh tables at Olive Garden than to work at a school library? Like, what is that? I've never heard of like personality tests. That makes sense, but wow. Oh, they're horrible. It'll be like 50 questions and like half of them are the same. And it'll be like, it'll be like, you know, a coworker uh, kept an extra penny after the transaction. Would you consider this an ethical dilemma? Strongly agree, strongly disagree, neutral, oh strongly di- like. And if you don't pick the exact right one, then you're you're incorrect. And it's it, it's it's really mind boggling because a lot of it is like they really want those very specific answers, and then it's like, what does this really show you about my personality? Yeah. Like- well, and then I'm a people pleaser, so you're just like, please like me, please. Yes. the right answer is like, um. yes. And then like, also, it's it's manipulative because later they'll ask you a similar question, but they'll word it differently. But they want a similar answer. So if you 
give a different answer, then they're like, oh, well, then she must not be, she's either inconsistent or a liar. So we don't want to hire her. And it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, oh my God. No, we're human. No, it's all all computer generated now. Yeah. Tell me about writing this. You said as soon as I said it on the episode, you wrote it. I was like, you sit down and wrote wrote it. And then part of my background, um, I work a lot with like writing and writing coaching. Um, I TA'd for like an English writing 150 class. And like, I also worked with kids at elementary school. And so I had to coach them through writing. So that's kind of how I approached this. I was like, okay, Kai obviously knows how to write. Cinder, like, doesn't I just, I mean, they said she like learned in tubing, but I'm also like child development. I'm like, how much can you actually learn while in the tubes? Like, that's something you have to have more experience with. So I kind of took that route, but some of Cinder's like body language and just how she's just so dejected and like angry at her schoolwork. That was completely stolen from when I was working with elementary school kids. And we'd be like, okay, <laughs> open your mouth. Like, and they'd be like, oh. and you're like, dude, we do this every day. How is this a surprise? Like, it's okay. And it so, can be frustrating. Like, I'm a writer and I definitely get frustrated at times when I'm like, I want to accomplish this. How do I make how do I make it work? And um, it's yeah. also one of those things like when it does work, when it finally clicks and you're able to do exactly what you wanted to do and say exactly what you wanted to say, it's like this very gratifying satisfaction moment. Yeah. But yeah, there are definitely times when I'm like, man, if this laptop wasn't so expensive, I'd throw it across the room. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so hard. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, just so hard to write and just begin to write. So that was another like reason I started writing this was um, I went to this thing a while ago that had like Marissa Meyer and like a lot of other um, authors and they had like a whole panel on like, how do I become a better writer? And one of them, Kendara Blake, um, she's hilarious, beautiful human. She writes very scary literature, but she was like, just get in the habit of finishing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know it's straightforward, but I needed this because like I've been a writer I don't know, ever off and on since I was like 10, but I would always get like stuck in the middle and just like forget it. So having like the practice of getting something done really felt good. And yeah, it was so fun to write. Like I looked in the books, I was just like frantically scanning. I'm like, I don't think Cinder's ever been to school. Has she been to school? And I was like flipping through that. And I was like, oh, wait, was this conversation? And I thought it was really fun to write. And same with like Thorn and Cinder. Like these characters are amazing. I would definitely write more fantasy. And I think you did such a good job of like, this could be plucked right into the universe. Like these characters definitely behave this way. Um, Kai especially is like very placating, but in his, his, uh, in his like kind way, cause like he doesn't want to hurt Cinder's feelings, but she's not yeah. a writer. She's not. Um, and I think that like when you're writing fan fiction, like I don't write fan fiction personally, but um, my critique partner, Abigail Spagari writes uh, a lot of Lunar Chronicles fan fiction and uh, I think when you're writing fan fiction, what's really important is trying to uh, properly and accurately represent a character that already existed before you uh, started writing. It's way easier for me to like borrow characters and borrow other things and like just start out scratch. I just, I know it was interesting. One time we had this class uh, assignment, randomly in like history class where we had to write as like Martin Luther, like the Protestant guy. And that was such a fun like tone to take on and like pretend imagining it because I'm like, oh, I know who this person is. Let's write as them. And so yeah, Marissa's just written awesome characters. And I've just, yeah, like devoured these books obsessively over the past few months, especially. So I was like, yep. <laughs> I know who everyone is. And like listening to your podcast, see Bethany, I'm like, oh yeah, these are this is who they are. Like definitely you gave me a different appreciation of Scarlet my second time around. The first Aww. time I was like, oh my gosh 
this girl is so dumb. Why are you talking to the stranger? That's literally rule one. And then I was like, oh, she was more like talking to him because she's like, I'm tough. Like, I don't like when I don't need like ran into ran on warning. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I get it. What panel did you get to see Marissa recently? Oh, it was, I think it was like a teen author panel. They came to my library here in Utah. And I think it was like teen writing festival event. I don't know, but I worked at the library and they were like, there's an event. I'm like, Marissa's coming. That's all I need to know. Like, yes. I will be there. <laughs> That's awesome. So, okay. I'm a pantser. You a pantser? Do you have like a whole corkboard somewhere with little outlines? Do you kind of fall in the middle? I like go back and forth. I'll have like a beginning, but I always get really tough in the middle. But like the first novel I over did was like um like an outline I like was like okay especially because it was one that had like switching perspectives between a male and a female so I'd be like okay chapter one and And so that made it like able to finish it meanwhile other writing projects I've done with like my best friend we kind of have a general idea and we'll try to like plot it and then we'll just kind of forget it and we'll write and then the other one will write back and it'll just be like right so I don't know. I'm definitely like order, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I always think of myself as a panzer, but I do have like a, a notebook where I'm like, you know, I jot down things like, and they're really like not concrete ideas. Like where's my notebook? Let's see. Let's see what's in here right now. Okay. So I wrote for like two hours this morning. Right. So what was, oh. the, last, what was the last thing I wrote? How far away is the pool? You should check your map. Would they have pancakes for breakfast? No, they had pancakes earlier. What else could we have for breakfast? And then insert in the, at the, cause I have like a little, it's, oh, you can't see it cause I have my camera, <laughs> but it's, um, it's literally just like random scribble scrabbles, but I wrote, I, I literally wrote, this is so dumb, you guys. I literally wrote something with a raccoon would be fun. That's it. That's all it says. <laughs> Well, it says, I, I get sometimes like stuck in like outlining. I'm like, oh, I can't write this part until I write this part. Now I'm learning. No, to like that's it. why I don't outline. <laughs> if anything, I do um, the the opposite. I, I don't outline, but like when I'm done writing, like when I have a complete story, I do timelines and I'll do a timeline, like all oh, of the gosh. scenes for like each character. And then I go through each timeline and I'm like, okay, she needs more, she needs more character development, or I'll look at another person. I'll be like, their friendship isn't as central as I'd like it to be. Um, so I don't do outlines, but like, as soon as I'm done with like my first draft, I'll go through and I'll do a timeline and it'll literally just be like in order, like what happens, like this person and my main character, like how many conversations they had, what they talked about. And then it's like, okay, I wanted them to be best friends, but according to my timeline, they don't really have that connection. So I need to add more scenes that uh, showcase the two of them getting to know each other. Or like, you know, the first time I wrote this book, one of my characters named Charlotte was like super duper surface level, like barely even there. And I didn't realize that because in my head, I had all this stuff going on for her. Mm -hmm that I never put to paper. So when I went back and started rewriting it, cause I'm, I'm reframing my whole book. When I went back and started rewriting it, I had it in the back of my head, like, okay, Charlotte needs to be a, a more central character. And now that I'm writing it, I'm like, she's getting a lot of screen time now. Like, 
I know when I go back and I do my timeline, I'm going to have to make sure everybody else has just as much time and information in the text. But yeah, I'm kind of the opposite of an outliner because I just pants everything. I take random notes that make no sense, like raccoon. There's also the word chili question mark in a circle. Nice. So I guess I want them to eat chili. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, it's always fun to like learn about other writers and like their processes. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny because ironically, I, the kids I will work with, like, they'll be like, oh, I want it perfect. I want it now. I'm like, just write something down. I'm like, why don't I follow my own advice? Like, I just get so intimidated. <laughs> I never even start. And so I just have all these ideas in my head. So I need to definitely get better at writing. <laughs> I think, like, um, actually doing it. I think we've talked in the Patreon before about like maybe once a month having like a writer's day where we just like get together and Ooh. talk about writing. Yeah. But yeah, every writer does something a little bit. Uh, differently. I know for me, I need to feel something when I'm writing. I need to like emotionally connect with what's going on. So I don't really feel like my characters are real or important until somebody makes me cry. And then I'm like, yep, I'm on the right page. And so my story originally started out as a a diary and every chapter was going to be like an entry into her diary. But that was like, it pigeonholed me so much. And I was being held back from a lot of like information that I wanted to share and emotions and scenes Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I decided, okay, I'm going to rewrite the first couple of chapters in first person narrative. I'm going to send it to my critique partner. I'm going to see where we're going. And I decided to rewrite the whole thing in first person narrative. I was like maybe 18,000 words in when I first started, like feeling like I was about to cry. Mm -hmm. I'm on like the third chapter. Like that's how I know this is so much better. But yeah, I mean, like whenever I feel like I'm a bad writer, I'm like, okay, I need a writing meeting. And I, I messaged my critique partner, Abigail Spagari, who wrote the, the Daughter of the Moon trilogy and Princess and the Guard. And oh, yeah. I just, I immediately messaged her and I'm like, I need a writing meeting. Like I need motivation. Cause right now I feel like, like I just can't be a writer and I don't want to feel that way. And um, I think that like, um, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called now, but Oh, imposter syndrome. <laughs> I think that oh, imposter yes. oh syndrome gosh, is yeah. so common with writers. Well, and then I had some very, I don't know, unhelpful, I should say, um, critique groups when I'm like creative writing classes I take. They'd be like, this were overly like critical. And they're like, you don't know what you're writing about. Like I was trying something new and they're like, clear, like clearly I don't, I'm trying. And they were just like really being, they just made me feel like really scared. So that was really exciting to deal with a few years. So writing and like having this out to the like the public internet is pretty scary but I'm like you know Marissa's giving us good bones I don't know it's so interesting because like point of view really does a lot I'm like how does she get us to feel such things about these characters and they're all like third person and like I don't know she's talented she's amazing I was yeah, it's definitely a skill like it's something that you learn but it's also like a craft it's a skill that you kind of have like a talent at but it's also a craft that you can practice and improve and I know you're on the Discord, but there is a writing channel on there. Oh, yeah. I need to look at that more. Well, because a lot of times I think people misunderstand like what a what kind of information someone is looking for. And that's something that I've learned as an author. Like if I want someone to read my work, I'm very now <laughs> I'm very open about like what information I want from them because I can have a proofreader. So a typo is not a big deal or grammar is not a big deal. Yeah. I need someone who's going to be like, dude, this character is awesome. I want more of them. Or someone who's like, 
I don't think your character would do this at this point in the story. Maybe you should, you know, really consider looking into their timeline, um, which is how I got started on making timelines in the first place. Um, and I think that like other writers and, and um, beta readers and stuff like that, you just have to be really honest with them. Like when you're, when you're giving them your work, you can't just be like, okay, thanks. Let me know what you think. Yeah. Unfortunately, with a lot of the classes, it was like that. Yeah. yeah like, let me know. Do you think that I need to research this more? Do you think that, I don't give this character enough time. Do you think that this scene is totally unnecessary? Do you think that it should be a bear instead of a raccoon? Like, you know, <laughs> let me know. Is there a character that you like love? Is there a scene that you're like, this is amazing? And I think that was like yeah. the greatest thing for me getting a critique partner because like, that's what my critique partner and I do. Um, she sends me like a word doc, like a Google doc and I send her a Google doc and half the comments are just like, LOL or swoon or, oh my God, I yeah. love this scene. But then every once in a while, I'm like, I think this is too harsh or, you know, I'm not sure if this character would be this mean or I'm, or I'm like, this character's not mean enough. Like this situation is serious. We need some gut punching right now or something like, and so that's why I think like, fellow writers can offer you uh, a lot of feedback simply because they have that perspective where they can be like, you know, from one writer yeah. to another, this is a great scene. You can do a lot more with it. Yeah. What I was trying to do is I was trying to like, I always create these like medieval princesses who are awesome and don't do other things. And I was just, they were all just so cookie cut over each other. So I tried to like write a boy for a while and that didn't go well, but I was just, I don't know. That was always a struggle to find out, figure out how to make all the characters not this total same. So that one, yeah. um, I've definitely seen quite a few like writing tools and exercises you can do to make sure that they don't sound the same. I haven't had that issue before. Um, but I, I know that some of the tools I've noticed people do is they'll like write one scene, but they'll write it from uh, multiple perspectives. So like the first scene will be in my perspective, but the next scene would be in your perspective. And then the scene after that would be in somebody else's perspective. And that gives you the opportunity to see like the character's own voice. Um, or like if a scene is normally written in third person, you can write it in first, just, just for yourself, like just write it in first yeah. person and give yourself the opportunity to see what information comes out when you try to write it that way. I've also seen like where they have to react to certain things. So it's like, okay, write a scene where they got a flat tire. What would they do? Because Scarlet, Cinder, Crest, Ico, Winter, they're all going to react differently to a flat tire, right? Yeah. I'm just, it's so amazing. They're all just four very different girls. I'm like, mm -hmm. How do I write like that? <laughs> but this is what part of it, you know, we would take in and read a lot of things and read like general, but not all the same things. So this is fun. I should do more episodes where we just talk like writing craft. Love it. And that's what got me into Maria says. I got started on the Happy Writer um podcast because some of my favorite authors were on there. And I found her and then I found you. But yeah, I really like it. And right now I'm reading this book about Wicked the Musical and already just so many different like writing tips have like come oh, out like it. yeah do you have like an idea folder on your phone um I have them like on my computer sometimes yeah I have an idea folder on my phone and it's filled with the most random stuff yeah yeah one thing that I noticed I was struggling with is like writing from real life so my life was kind of boring like growing up in little town Colorado but then I went to college and I was like whoa I want to steal you for a character and you for a character. <laughs> like, I started writing things down. I'm like, oh, what, what, what can I do? 
I don't necessarily come up with characters that are like based on other people, but I definitely have like scenes or influences. So like in my book, there's one girl who (laughs) she puts cinnamon rolls in her chili because when I was growing up in Illinois, it was always peanut butter sandwiches. But then I moved to Nebraska and everybody put cinnamon rolls in their chili. And I was like, what the hell is this? And then when we moved to Mississippi, it was cornbread and chili. Okay. Yeah. I missed the cornbread. Nothing yeah. else. So like when I, when I started writing and I, I was like, I'm going to do a scene with chili. I was like, wouldn't it be fun if like all these people were from different places. So they all had like different ways of eating chili. So I had like chili and cornbread and cinnamon rolls and peanut butter sandwiches and on French fries and on noodles. And I just had so much fun with it. And I, so I try to incorporate some stuff like that, that is like, you know, somewhat realistic to the people that. I've met, but for the most part, they're all, you know, individuals. Yeah. Some of the characters are like, you know, roommates, friends, but I'm like, I wasn't super close with the roommates. I haven't been close with the friends, but observing them, they're kind of interesting. I love people watching. You get so much information and inspiration from just like drinking your coffee and watching people at Target. Like, (laughs) yes. Or like listening to conversations of roommates on their phone. (laughs) So when, uh, do you mind telling us what you're currently writing at the moment? Like what you're working on? Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm writing a Neverland story with my best friend. We're kind of like um, lost girls, lost boys kind of fighting. And then another one, we've, it's like called role play where we kind of like write together. I'm trying to write the people to our last role play, which is like Wonderland inspired. And that's really fun to write because I've, like have Alice and she has like two baby twin sisters that she just barely got and I like wrote one of the characters as the one of our role plays but it's so fun to get inside of six-year-old Alice's like head voice and like just play and then I want to do a story about like um like magic and a girl who had anxiety like one of my characters one of the stories I was trying to write the girl had anxiety and I thought she was into theater and then she's like I'm throwing up because I have anxiety and I'm like why and so then like Elsa I've connected with Elsa that's a real thing I get physically ill yeah well, when I have anxiety I get I will literally get uh get physically sick when I first found out about my father I went back and forth from like not eating to constantly urging. um and uh it's so weird because like nobody else I know is like that nobody else is like I'm stressed out but like that's like something that my body it's not like a conscious decision it's like my body is like stressed so it makes itself nauseous and then uh or I'll get headaches and then even sometimes it goes all the way yeah that's the first time a character's like spoken to me and so I have anxiety and so writing about anxiety is slightly triggering so I'm like "Hmm, how can I make it in a more fun way I'm like well, what if I gave her like magical powers like Elsa because I was like oh Elsa's anxious person like me and then she's like totally different I'm like Ooh, what if you write about this thing? But I'm like, ooh, what if we have this how this one girl who's really boss lady, but she's trying to fight this war, but she can't do it, so she needs this anxious girl. And I'm like, I think that'll be so fun to like put them together, because one loves to be in control, and the other one just doesn't want to be needed. And so I need to start it. That's been in my head a lot, so I need to just sit down and write it. Yeah, I love. That. I overly think about everything, so. I just like when I'm in the mood to write, I swear I can just write and write and write and write and write. Um, and then like when I don't have that like vibe, nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. I once wrote um, 30,000 words in two and a half days and then I didn't write anything for like a month. It's so interesting. Yeah. 
I don't know how writers do it, how they like, you know, like like official authors, how they sit down, they treat it like a job, they get these books done and then they revise them. And I'm like, wow. I started doing that. I was struggling a lot to write. Um, after my father, I was struggling a lot to write at all. Um, and I finally yeah. was like talking to somebody and I um, was like, you know, one of the things that makes me want to get this published even more is that like my dad will never get to read it. Um, and he was one of the first people to be like, I'm going to be the first, I'm going to read it. I'm going to go to the bookstore and be like, that's my baby's book. And um, so I was like, I really need to get this done and I need to publish it. And I forget who I was talking to. Um, it might've been my bonus mom. Um, but I was talking about like, yeah, I just want to get it done and and try and figure out how to put it out into the world. And um, she was like, well, why don't you just self-publish? And I was like, there's just such a stigma against self-publishing that yeah. like, you know, self-publishing lacks credibility. And she's like, if the only reason that you don't want to self-publish is because you're waiting for someone else to tell you that you're a good enough writer that they'll publish you, then that's the wrong reason. And I was like, yeah, that really changed my whole perspective because like if the only reason that my book doesn't exist in the world is because I'm still waiting for some gatekeeper some publisher or literary agent in the universe to look at it and say that's a good one um you know is that really a good reason for my book to only exist in in my computer um and so now I've kind of just decided like yep it's getting self-published that's awesome I'm just going to publish it myself I, I put myself on a schedule I'm like okay Monday Wednesday Friday nine to five I'm writing yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry about your dad. That was so sad. I was so heartbroken. Like I had literally just heard, heard about the episode, um, listened to the episode where like Dr. Erland's like died and Chris was like processing that. And you talked about how awesome your dad was. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. It was so sudden. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things like I'm finally to a point now where I can talk about it without having like a complete emotional breakdown. Um, yeah. But it's uh, it's definitely an experience I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's one of those things like I um, realize how many people I have in my corner and how much support I have. Um, I have a lot of like family members who've been very supportive and um, yeah, it's just day to day. Got to Some days are a little easier than others, but yeah. Yeah. Um, lost sex. Yeah. I actually ended up putting, uh, one of my characters, not to give away too much information about my story, but one of my characters now has a grief background because it, it flooded into the work. Um, but yeah. Hey, that's how Gail Carson Levine wrote, um, save at night was cause she was still caring for her dad. Yeah. And it's something I've had a lot of people who are like, oh, are you going to write a memoir? And um, I don't know, maybe someday my sisters and I have all talked about maybe like the three of us writing a memoir together. Um, but like right now like it's like a draw much. my life video. <laughs> yeah. Even if you just did your life, draw my life, because I'm like, oh my goodness, you have such an interesting life. And every time you like drop in this piece of information, that piece of information, I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, I think grief is something that like, I think grief is misinterpreted by others. Um, I've had a lot of people who are, are like, you know, oh, you're doing fine now, or oh, you seem to be fine, or you're handling it well or something. But um, 
you know, grief is like, it's like Sarah said, grief, people talk about grief, like it's this thing you go through and then you move on, but really it just kind of becomes this constant companion and for better or for worse, it's there all the time. And, um, sometimes I see a t-shirt that says like world's greatest dad. And I just completely break down. There was one time I was at Costco and this little girl lost her dad and she was crying and she was, she kept calling daddy and I was just bawling my eyes out, but I had stuff to do. Like I still had groceries to get, I've got chicken in the, in the cart and I've got dogs that want to eat that chicken. So I'm just like bawling my eyes out, walking around Costco, trying to get groceries. I love that. Highly relatable. Yeah. And that's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I might seem like I'm doing okay, but it's just under the surface, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like stitches, I guess, you know, it's like, it looks healed but it's not, and it might never be. I don't know. It's okay to not be okay. That's something I've been like working on and just being like, yeah, like good emotions, bad emotions. They're all just like emotions and they're all just range of what makes you human. And like what you do with them is like matters. Like if you go super destructive and crazy, then that's not good. But like, right. um, I love what vision says. It's like, what is grief? If not love persevering. Yeah. And it's so hard because like, you want to give people what they want, right? Like people are always like, how are you doing? And you want to tell them you're okay because that's what they want to hear. They want to hear that you're okay, yeah. but that's not an honest answer. It's not. Oh yeah. No, that's, I'm not a good liar, but that's, that's the one why I do tell you like, oh yeah, I'm fine. And for me personally, like I'm, I'm the oldest and I have lots of siblings. And um, so I feel like a lot of stuff kind of falls on my shoulders, which is, actually a good thing. I do, I do better when I'm busy and when I'm taking care of other people, like it's a coping mechanism for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it also means that like, as soon as there's nothing to do, it, it kind of crushes me because it's just been sitting there right at the top, just waiting to fall down. Um, and I think that, you know, it's those moments where it's like when people are like, Oh, how are you doing? And it's like, Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Not good. Not okay. Yeah. You know, are you fine? No. Are you okay? No, I'm not. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no, I'm not okay. Yeah, and some people like appreciate that because I suffer from depression. So when I'm like more honest, and vulnerable about it they're like wow thank you I'm like yeah you're welcome um <laughs> I think really hard just, though, we've gotten in the habit as a society of like pushing our feelings away or trying to hide mental health especially depression and anxiety and grief and things like that and um I mean how many times do you hear the phrase I'll give you something to cry about you know um which is yeah. something I, I hate that phrase so much and being a teacher like that just kills me like I have a great life why am I so sad it's like oh because my brain is broken and and I think that that's one of those things about like just being a human and having the human experience means that um you get the good but you also get the bad and you just have to you know when you have the bad you just have to try to process it and when you have the good you have to really appreciate it um in that moment and and be more accepting of it i i think that like myself i've just become a lot more present and uh aware of the things that i want to do in my life and um you know there's certain things that i never would have done 
that now I'm like, why would, why, you know, um, there was certain jobs cause I just graduated. So I've been looking for jobs. So, um, there were certain jobs where like red flags would come up during an interview and in the past, I would have been like, no, it's fine. I need the job. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, if that's how you guys treat mental health, this wouldn't be a good place for me to work. Good for you. Yeah. Um, and it's just because like life is not that long and I don't want to spend yeah. my time on this planet being at a job that mistreats me or my coworkers or somebody, you know, like I don't want to work somewhere. Like my bonus mom got two days of bereavement when her husband died. And they were shocked when she needed more time. And I'm like, the the fact that that's a socially acceptable way to treat a grieving widow is mm-hmm. is disgusting to me. Um, and so those are the types of things I've been keeping in mind when looking for work. I'm like, well, what is this policy? What what do you do for your staff when something like this happens? And you know, every interview you get to the end and they're like, do you have any questions for us? And what I've noticed recently is nobody's asked the questions that I've been asking. You know, my last interview, I asked like, you know, what's your bereavement policy? And they're like, our what? And so I explained like why I was asking what I was asking. Um, and they even said like, oh, actually, I don't think we have a policy in place outside of um, like uh, children and spouses. And I'm like, I'm going to need one for my parents because I'm not going through this again, you know? Um, yeah. And those are the types of questions I think people don't even think to ask until it becomes um, something that happens to you or someone, you know, and then you're like, oh, maybe that is an important piece of information that it didn't occur to me to have. But, um, I know my sister, Samantha is, is looking for a job right now. And I, I told her, I was like, make sure that wherever you work takes your mental health into consideration because yeah. you don't want to be somewhere that's going to make your mental health worse. You want to be somewhere where it can be equal or yeah. better. I love where I work. We just got new boss and she's really chill about like, taking sick days and mental health days and it's so great like we, there's this hype for librarians you know we're all like introverts anxious <laughs> I wish I lived in Colorado I could come like, hang out with you at your library um, oh yeah you should come I actually work at the Provo library but yeah we're a good mix of like college um, students and high school students the pay is crummy but it's a fun place <laughs> I'm like I live in a tiny town like closer to Utah I remember I like posted something and I was like, oh, oh no, you guys already talked about this. I talked about like versus deleted scenes. And instead of like calling me out and be like, you already talked about that. They were like, oh yeah, no, you're good. I was like, oh, I'm not used to this kind of like (laughs) compassion and like, yeah, that's been really cool. It's interesting because like the, the Patreon was something I started just because there were a lot of people that were asking for a Patreon and I was like, I don't have the resources to, to give a lot. Cause Patreons are all about like free t-shirts and free mugs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And I remember I, I took, a, I took a day and I emailed everyone who had reached out to me and been like, we want a Patreon. And I was like, what do you guys want from your Patreon? You know, is it free t-shirts and mugs and stuff? And they were like, no, we just want like a community where we can talk about this or talk about that. Um, and so my Patreon is like completely community-based. You actually don't get a lot of free yeah. stuff. And, and I mean, you don't get anything like t-shirt wise or anything because it's a dollar, um, but it's all community-based. So it's all about like, what do we, you know, we have like 15 channels on the discord, anything from self-love to crafting, to book recommendations and, and, and yes. And we have zoom meetings and it's like, oh, your zoom meetings are about lunar chronicles. And it's like, I mean, 95% of the time, it's just us talking 
it's just us talking to each other, catching up on our lives, seeking advice on this or offering guidance on that or sharing memes or jokes, or did you guys read this book or what about this fan fiction or Marissa announced this? Are you guys so excited? And so, yeah, my Patreon is like all community-based and I never would have even had the thought to make a community-based Patreon until doing this podcast. Cause I'm, I'm a member of other Patreons and it's all about what do you get out of it? It's all yeah. about the free in quotations, free stuff. So like when I started making mine a community base, it was like, how do I make it like still worth that $1? Safely fangirl with everyone. That's how I found you. I was like, I need someone to fangirl with about the Lunar Chronicles. That's why I need to join the Discord. And like the Heartless Musical that just came out on Saturday. I'm like, I was posting fun fan recipes. It was amazing. I cried so much. I cried the first time when I saw it in person. And then I cried this time watching it again. And it's just magic just magic. I'm so impressed that they're high schoolers and they got it right. I'm like, this, see this, this is, this is how books. And they did all of it. There are no, there's no adult yeah. assistance. There wasn't like yeah. a theater teacher or principal or anything. It was all just, these kids were like, we love yeah. this musical and we're going to make it. And we're going to write sheet music and lyrics and scripts and costumes and set designs. And- acting was so spot on. Like you yeah. knew who they were like based on their voices. Perfect. Like, or, and based on their like mannerisms, like somehow the Duke actually yeah. did kind of still seem like a rhino. I don't know how, but like he still kind of felt that way to me. And um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing what young people can accomplish uh, in spite, in spite of the fact that most adults weren't um, supportive of them and weren't the cheerleaders that they should be for these young people. I actually meet a lot of people like that, though, like a lot of the writers on the discord, because most of my Patreon is people like between the ages of like 13 and 25. So it's a pretty big okay, yeah, group. But um, yeah, but there's a lot of writers on there that are like, so, you know, like they haven't even started writing yet. And they already feel defeated because they're like, well, I just don't know if I'll hey. be a good writer. And it's like, just who cares? It doesn't matter. And that's like where I'm at right now. That's why I'm like, I'll just publish it myself. You know, I tried querying um, and I don't really mind just publishing it myself. And I've been looking into like, you know, the best ways to market and self um, like self promote and stuff like that. And I'm like, really, I just want my book in the world. And if people read it and enjoy it, then that's great. And if not, then that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did too. Cause Originally, I wanted to go into English, and my parents were like, how are you going to make money off of that? So then I made my major child development so I can make money off of that. But then I went to, like, my creative writing classes, and that was fun. So that's what I tell people. I'm like, okay, make your major something you can make money off of, and then do your minor for fun. Or, you know, you can substitute broke writer for a broke librarian. Um, so yeah, we're both. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? We have to have a master's degree, and then you guys would be surprised how little they pay people for that master's degree. <laughs> I don't know. I was like... Mm-hmm. Oh, this is my life now but I'm excited to start the classes and once they actually start but you'd reach out if you need yeah. help with anything it was exhausting but I will do what I can to help you I really okay. will. this was so sure, much yeah. fun I should start doing episodes yeah. where we just talk about writing um yeah you got yours in master of library science too right yep yep and I minored in, okay cool that's um, what I want to do yeah I got a master's and then I also am um also certified in children's and young adult literature um and I'm also a, a licensed school librarian so I did it all in a year and a half I don't recommend that 
that's impressive. So you was yeah, not financing it all I myself. Do not so recommend. Take up to seven years. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I. I probably gained like thirty pounds and didn't sleep at all. So do not recommend. <laughs> Yeah, you should probably take care of yourself. <laughs> right? Okay, so let's talk about Cinder's speech. What we decided yeah. is we're going to read it for you guys. So um, if you have any questions for me or Sierra, feel free to email princekaifanpot at gmail.com. I will be happy to reach out to Sierra and get any answers for you guys. Unless, do you want to plug yourself, your social media, in case anybody wants to contact you? Oh, I'm just like on Instagram, mostly on the Discord too, probably just like on a Patreon, I think. I'm pretty just basic. I'm just like Sierra. Sierra Bio. <laughs> I don't have a fancy thing. One thing I did forget to say is where I think it, it was in Lunar Chronicles. So either between chapters four and 12 or like six and nine. So anytime just when Kai was like on the ship, mm-hmm. obviously. I was thinking it would have been like um, between six and nine, like right, like right after... Because there's that scene where, like, they board and she, like, hugs him and stuff. And I was yeah. thinking, like, it'd probably be, like, the night after that or something. Or maybe the night, like, before they land in Luna. Yeah. Oh, no. I was thinking, oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm so interested in how that all goes down. What? How much, many months is it that he's on the, the ship? And then how much longer between post-kidnapping and going to Luna? I have a timeline that a listener sent me because I was constantly like, how long has that been? I know you're pretty good at that. I want to say he was on the ship for like two or three weeks. Okay. Okay. So he was kidnapped on September 25th and he went home on October 29th. So about a month. Okay. That's what this I is thought. according to the so sometime in that month. That's when he is. Yeah. What? This is according to the lunar wikis. So I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly how accurate it is, but I give them a lot of credit. I think it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, I feel like it is about a month that they say how long he was gone. Mm-hmm. Like it was such a nice little month. <laughs> the easiest way to tell how time has passed over the next few days. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you, Sierra, for being here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And now please enjoy a live performance of Cinder Writes the Speech by Sierra Reels. The starlight galaxy was steadily streaming by as Kai took a midnight walk across the Ranthian Bridge. The ship was quiet. Everyone was in their rooms resting. Iko and Kress were both in bed after Kress had beaten Iko in yet another game of Jewel Thief. Even though she didn't need the sleep, Iko still insisted on having her own bed in the bunker. Even now he could hear her fake snoring. Bang! Something hit the wall. Kai flinched, rushing towards the source of the sound. He thought Wolf and Cinder had stopped training more than an hour ago. He knew they had to go hard at each other in order to help Cinder train, but he wouldn't ever get used to the noises and grunts of pain. However, as Kai rounded the corner, he didn't see Wolf standing over Cinder on a mat, waiting for her to try again. Instead, Cinder was alone at the kitchen table, staring at a port screen, daggers in her eyes. Stupid, stupid, torturous device. Kai smiled to himself. What did it do this time? Did you try banging it and turning it back on? Cinder looked up at him, startled as he came in. Not the port screen. That I could fix. Machines, I understand. Words, not so much. Working on the speech? He asked, coming to sit by Cinder, their legs touching. She groaned in frustration. Yes, I wish I could just have Crest send a telepathic comms to everyone. 
that lets them know that I'm alive and that we're taking down Mavana. That would be a lot less torturous than this. She put her head in her hands. Kai held back a smile. He liked seeing this vulnerable, flawed side of Cinder. How did you write essays in school? Didn't you have to learn to write then? Cinder stared at him before sarcastically saying, School. Oh, yeah. Audrey enrolled me in a cyborg freak school where we learned to write with our laser vision. Okay, so no school then. He reflected on a moment what it would have been like to not have had any schooling. He'd always had the best tutors, gone to the best university, while Cinder, even her school records before the accident had been faked. Well, I do have one whole life skill of being a great talker. Writing is just talking on paper. In that case, maybe I should just make Ico write it. She flicked the port screen away angrily. Why don't you show me what you have so far? He coaxed patiently. She sighed. Fine. Kai had to bite back a laugh as he read the few lines she had written. Dear Lunars, Lavana is a witch and she sucks. I don't. Please join my revolution. I promise I don't bite. Wolf might, but only if you don't give Scarlet back. Sincerely, Princess Celine. Okay, we've got a few good bones down. He pointed out. Let's try to expand on it. You hate it, Cinder said. I have some notes. He responded diplomatically. Like? She chewed on her lip. Well, for starters, instead of just saying Lavana sucks, maybe try explaining why. Tell me what exactly she does that you're trying to change. He reached for the tablet as Cinder thought. He started a new document. Cinder rules speech, he typed. She brainwashes everyone, especially the common people, so they can't rise against her. Good. What else? Cinder let out another scream of frustration. This is so painful. Why don't you write it? Before Kai could respond, another head popped into the space. Thorn. He looked around with his with his blurred eyes trying to focus without being able to. What's all the ruckus? Did Wolf beat Cinder again? Worse. Kai is making me write the speech. Ooh, excellent. You can practice it on me. I've been told I'm a very tough audience to please, Thorn said, sitting down on the other side of the table. Kai looked at Thorn, annoyed at the disruption, but knew arguing was fruitless. Thorn was a determined attention hog of anything else. Okay, where were we? We were talking about why Lavana sucks. Ooh, what about she launches attacks on Earth with crazy wolf mutants? Kai looked at Thorn in disapproval. We're writing about why Lavana is a bad ruler to Lunars, not Earthen. Fine, you don't want my suggestions? Don't take them. This will be the day you regret not listening to me. Thorn got up from the table. Now, can you please point me to some edible space food? I'm starving. The cover to your left, Cinder said, still staring dazed at the screen. While he reached blindly for the cupboard handles, Cinder quietly said to Kai, He's right about the wolf mute, and wolf didn't have any choice to become what he is. Not even palace guards do. Thorn looked up from the sandwich he was making with a giant grin on his face. Did you just say I was right? Yes, I said, you're right. We won't be taking suggestions. She lowered her voice again and told Kai about the conversation between Jason and the woman at the shop in Farafra, the one whose son would rather die than be Lavana's puppet. She steals their babies, turning them into weapons. Kai muttered to himself as he typed. Thorne sat back down at the table, a strange expression on his face. Don't forget about shells, like Cress. 
Her fa- uh, the doctor thought she had been killed. Kai ignored Thorne's smug grin as he wrote, steals and kills infant shells. All right, that should give us a good start for that section. Let's move on. What do you want this speech to make people do? Not kill her, obviously, Thorne said blandly. <gasps> yes, thank you for that, Captain. That was so helpful. Iko's voice chimed as she came into the room and sat by Thorne. Iko, I thought you were sleeping? Iko flexed her fingers, admiring them before she sighed. Android, remember? I don't need sleep. Besides, you're all being very loud. This is much more entertaining than a net drama. You should have crest on some very old century patriotic music that plays behind you as your hair whips in the wind. You'll look like a tragic hero. It'll be so romantic. Because more tragedy is what I need in my life. Thank you. Iko looked offended. Thanks. Don't take my suggestion. Or actually, please do. Once we get to what you'll be wearing in the video, your clothes are the first thing you say about you. You have to carefully consider what messages you send. I heard that in a fashion magazine once. Many hours later, the speech was finished. Kai had taken the brainstorm they had done together and used it as an outline to thread the points through the speech. By the time he was finished with it, Cinder didn't hate it as much. Aiko was right. She sounded like a hero. No, not a hero. A revolutionary. The passages read for you today are from Kai Wright's Senior Speech by Sierra Reynolds. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger and today's special guest was Sierra Reynolds. The intro outro music was composed by Emma Pavo and the logo art was created by Dunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening.